Um, before we get started, uh, I, I know today we're talking about the demonic, and uh, how many of you know that there's there is evil there there is, and how many of you believe that there are spirits, evil spirits? That I just today I just want to pray um, against anything that would try to stop us from hearing God's voice. I I, I feel I sense there's like an opposition this morning. And I just really, I just believe that we're supposed to just humble ourselves because the Bible says as we humble ourselves that the enemy has to flee from us. As we submit to God that he will flee. So could you just put your hands out like this as a sign? Lord, we we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to fear. We are no longer slaves to fear. Lord, we are your children and you are our defender. You are our deliverer, our protector. Lord, and right now, we just want to take a stand for the sake of your name and your word and your truth. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We submit to you this morning. We submit to your spirit. We submit to your voice, to your word. Lord, I just pray for protection over over the minds of of the listeners. Lord, in the name of Jesus, that, that... we would, that we would hear only your voice, that the lies would be silenced in the name of Jesus. Help us to filter out those voices, Lord. Help us to, to really sense what you're speaking to us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, I'm glad we did that song today that we're no longer slaves to fear, that we don't have to fear, that we, we are God's children. And in the same way that our earthly um, parents protect their kids. The Lord wants to protect us as well from the demonic. And there's a, there's a new series on, and I, I don't know if you guys have ever watched it. It's called Stranger Things. It's not new. It's actually on the third season. But there's a lot of like kind of demonic stuff, a lot of just like, like spiritual stuff, even though it's, uh, of course, you know, most, most popular TV shows or popular movies are really based on good versus evil right? And so that's kind of what this is. But, but today we're going to listen, uh, we're going to talk about something. It's, I think, one of the strangest stories in the New Testament. It's a really bizarre story. And I think it stirs up a lot of questions for people. So it's, it's basically, what happens is that Jesus comes in contact with this guy who's possessed by demons. And he, you know, he, he says, what's your name? And the guy says, I'm legion because there's many of us. And this guy is a wreck. I mean, he's cutting himself and he's, he's a really broken guy. And so Jesus, um, he, he goes to cast the demons out and the demons ask Jesus, hey, please don't send us to the abyss. Send us into the pigs. So Jesus sends them in the pigs. The pigs take off. They dive over the cliff. And then the guy comes up to Jesus and says, hey, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, I need you to go back and tell everybody what I've done for you. And so I think that this, to me, this story has been confusing for a lot of reasons. And so hopefully today I will be able to answer some of the questions that you might have about that. And also, um, I, I really want to talk about some things that can hinder us from really walking in God's spirit and really sensing his presence and knowing his voice. And so let's turn in Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Mark 5, verse 1. Do you all have your, your uh, Bible apps on your cell phones? Anybody? 
have your Bible apps out. Okay, it's starting it with verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. Now you remember, this is, the, this is right after Jesus has calmed the storm. Okay, he has demonstrated that he is God. The disciples are convinced that he is God. So they got to the other side of the lake and they get to this place and it's east of the Sea of Galilee, which is very, very different than the west side, which is where they're coming from. The west side is kind of lush and beautiful and green. Then you get to the east side and it's, there's like steep cliffs and it's, it's a lot different. Um, and says, so when Jesus climbed out of the boat, immediately a man, some, some, uh, Stories say there's two men, and so it's both correct, but this is talking about just one guy. But there are, there are two of them. But here Jesus confronts this one man who is possessed by a what? An evil spirit or a demon. And it says he comes out from among the tombs. So this guy's living in a cemetery, basically, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, we used to, um, we used to go out to the cemetery just kind of to get that like adrenaline rush. It was kind of scary to go out to the cemetery. Can you imagine living in a cemetery? And that's where this guy lived. And it says here, he lived in the burial caves or a cemetery, and he could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists, and he smashed the shackles. No one on earth was strong enough to subdue him. It says, day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Now this guy was a troubled soul, right? He's, he's possessed by these demons. The thing that really struck me the first time that I read this recently was that he was cutting himself. You know, now there's like this, this really common thing among young people primarily, but they cut themselves. When they're in so much pain, so much emotional pain, they cut themselves. And this is not a new thing, as you can see here. This was an, a demonically inspired thing. It was, it was a demon or demons that were inspiring this guy to, to act crazy. And you know, we now, in our modern society, we will, you know, either medicate people or we'll, put the, we'll institutionalize them or we'll put them in a, some kind of a hospital or a facility. But Jesus is saying, is, is here and he wants to bring deliverance to this guy. And you know, there are so many different ways that we can be attacked by the enemy. We can be attacked spiritually. I think, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine this week and we said, you know, we were talking about how a lot of times people just assume spirit, the spiritual is the last thing. You know, we'll look to physical things or maybe some emotional things or circumstantial things or whatever. But sometimes things are really rooted in the spiritual realm. And you know, it, I, I find that people either, they think too much about the demonic, they think too much about the spirit realm and, and the spirits of darkness and the principalities, either that or they don't think about it enough and they don't acknowledge that it could actually have an impact either on their thinking or on their circumstances. You know, there's, there's spiritual, there's physical, there's physical manifestations that can take place. Like with this guy, he's howling and he's cutting himself and he's, I mean, he's got like this 
superhuman strength. I mean, it, this was all demonically inspired. This wasn't just that this guy was super strong. He wasn't over at Vasa working out, you know. This guy was demonically inspired. And sometimes it's psychological. You know, the evil one can get a foothold in our lives through certain lies that we believe. You know, he gets a foothold through telling us we're unworthy or telling us that we'll never overcome whatever it is that's holding us back or telling us that everyone hates us or telling us that, um, that the season's never gonna come to an end or that God's not really who he says he is. These are all demonically inspired lies. Anything that is contrary to the word of God is demonically inspired. Whether, you know, I, I mean... I'm not, I don't want to be critical because I do believe that Jesus loves the church. I believe Jesus loves his bride, but he also warns us about wolves in sheep's clothing. And I think, unfortunately, the enemy sends people sometimes to have this position, unfortunately, and they, they're not speaking truth. You know, they, they wear the title of pastor or of teacher but they're teaching lies. The Bible calls these doctrines taught by demons. And I'm not saying we need to be paranoid because our God is almighty. He is all powerful. But I really want us to be aware that there are spiritual things that can impact us. Like with this guy. You know, but Ephesians 6, as you know, Ephesians 6 tells us how we can stand against these things. But it says here in John 10, it says the thief's purpose, now get this, you've all heard this probably, his purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is what the demonic realm wants to do in your life. The demonic realm wants to steal from you, whether financially or with your joy or through the severing of relationships. He wants to kill you physically, emotionally, spiritually, and he wants to destroy your life. I'm not saying this so that we're afraid, but so that you're aware, so that you can take your stand against the evil one. It says here though, Jesus's purpose, God's purpose for your life is to give you a rich and a satisfying life. I said that I'm gonna talk a little bit later about some of the hindrances to actually experiencing that rich and satisfying life. Some of the main things that hold us back from that. But moving on, let's go to verse six. It says, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man, the demon-possessed man, saw him. And for some reason, he ran to meet him. And it says, he bowed low. This, this man who's possessed by demons recognized that Jesus was who he said he was, that Jesus was that same God that calmed that storm. And it says, and he bowed low. This is the word proskuneo, which means to worship. Now, why in the world would a demon-possessed man worship? He wasn't worshiping in the way that's like, I love you, Lord, I praise you. But it was a recognition that this was God. Because the Bible says even the, the demons believe. You know, people will always say, oh, I believe in God. But even the demons believe and they shudder. It says they're afraid. So this demon-possessed man, he got down on his face. And I don't know if it was because he realized Jesus was the only one who could ever set him free or if it was the demons within him that knew 
who this was and, and knew they had to submit to his authority. But it says with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? See, he knows who he is. Jesus is the son of the most high God. And it says, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. I mean, can you imagine this scene? Here's this guy, he's, he's been cutting himself, howling and screaming. He lives in the cemetery. A lot of times, you know, they say that they don't, he, like he was probably naked. He's running around and people are terrified of this guy. But as soon as he sees Jesus, boom, he gets down. And he says, please don't torture me. I know who you are. I recognize who you are. Please don't torture me in the name of God. It says, Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of that man, you unclean spirit or you evil spirit. See, the thing is demons believe and they shudder because they know their end. The second thing is demons will bring those doctrines those doctrines taught by demons, these are teachings that are contrary to the word of God or they're lies that, that lodge themselves in your brain. One of the most common lies that I think people believe is that God is not for them. God is not good. You know, when we go through hard times, we talked about it a little last week. When we go through storms, to really believe Jesus is there with us. He's in that boat and he can speak to that storm. But there are a lot of times he allows us to go through these hardships. So demons believe because they know their end. They bring their doctrines to try to lead as many people astray. And also the third thing, they know that the only power they have is the power that God allows them. And so that's why he's like, please don't torture me. Um, it says, the son of man came to destroy the works of the devil. That is one of the reasons that Jesus came is to destroy this thief who wants to steal and kill and destroy from or, your life. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. It says here in, in verse nine, it says, Jesus demanded, what is your name? Now, it's not because Jesus didn't know his name, but he wanted him to himself. And it says, he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. Now, I don't know if this is necessarily true because remember everything that proceeds forth out of the mouth of the father of lies is a lie, right? So he could have been just saying this just to intimidate. He might've been just lying about it, but a Legion is like over 6,000. Back in the, the days of their armies, a Legion was actually 600 or 6,826 people, soldiers. So that's a lot of demons. So I don't know if that was really how many were in him. Who knows? But Jesus recognized what he was doing to this man. It says, and the evil spirits begged Jesus again and again not to send them to a distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hill, hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. Remember, demons know they don't have permission to just do what they want. They need to be released. And there are things that we can do to prevent that in our own lives. You know, it, the Bible talks about footholds or strongholds. These are things that we, we open up ourselves to a lack of protection. You know, when we step out, I always talk about the umbrella of protection that God gives us, that when we're walking in the spirit, when we're, we're walking in him, trusting him, believing him, we're protected. Even if we go through hard times, even if we have trials, but 
we can also step out from under that protection. And it says, it says here, send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave him permission and the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And an entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged to their death. It says that they, they ran violently down the steep hillside into the lake and they were all drowned in the water. Because the thing is, at this point, these demons knew that it was better for them to go into the pigs and go drown than to go to the abyss, which is their final end. They recognize there's the lake of fire, there's the abyss. And John, uh, 1 John 3, 8, it says, the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So now why would, why would Jesus give these pigs permission? I mean, these demons to go, to go into the pigs. Why would he give them permission? Anybody have any ideas? Well, some scholars say that it's because, remember, in the Levitical laws, pigs are unclean. This is happening in Israel. So actually, raising pigs was illegal. I don't know if it was, if it was Jewish people that were raising them, but it was in Israel. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, some scholars say Jesus allowed these pigs to be destroyed because it was an illegal practice. It was an Ill, illegal business. And so it says in Mark 14, it says, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw this man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Now get this, I love this. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. Now, you would think that that would make the people happy, but instead, it says they were all afraid. I don't know if they were afraid because they thought, maybe this guy's faking it. Maybe he's going to start howling again and lashing out and breaking chains and all of this. Or maybe it's because the people realized that he had encountered the living God. And the same thing happens in our lives. I can remember so many demonic things in my own life. So many lies that motivated me. And, and I think, you know, I get asked a lot, <clears throat> even about weed, even about smoking weed. You know, people are always like, well, what do you, you know, what do you think about it now that it's legal? I still believe with all of my heart that there is something spiritual attached to illegal substances like that, whether it's antidepressants or painkillers. And I'm not saying that if, if you need that and if the Lord has called you to do that, then you should. But you know, there's, there's, I mean, if you've been to Utah County, you see on the billboards over and over again, there's a huge epidemic of opioid addiction. So many people are addicted to painkillers. And I mean, I'll confess, if, if it wasn't for the Spirit of God, I could easily have gone that path. I could have easily gone down that route. You know, 20% of all people have the propensity to be addicted to that. But there are spirits attached to that. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Do you agree? And the thing is that this guy is sitting there fully clothed. And remember, the Bible talks about being clothed in righteousness. I have a feeling that Jesus delivered him not just to set him free from the demonic, but to give him a full and an abundant life. 
I believe Jesus set him free and, and drew him to himself and forgave him of his sins. It says, then those who had seen what happened told the others about this demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began to plead with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. See, now, this is perplexing. Here this God comes, this, this man, Emmanuel, God with us, comes and the people are pleading him to leave them alone. And I, th- I feel like that is the current state of our society right now. Is, you know, Jesus is the one name that is offensive. You know, to those who are tolerant, they're tolerant to everything else except the name of Jesus, except Christianity. I mean, Christianity, Christians are the one people group that it is still okay to bash. It's still okay, isn't it? In our society. And why is that? Why is that? It's because it is the name that is above every name. And that when people are confronted with Jesus and they don't want to be confronted with Jesus, they become afraid. And they, want, they don't want that in their lives. I can remember when Eric and I first came to the Lord, every time we would get together with certain people, they would always accuse us of, um, you know, sitting there judging them and condemning them. And it was like, we were thinking, we weren't thinking any of that. Have you ever encountered that with people in your life? They're like, you're judging me. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm really not judging you. But it's because if you carry the spirit of the living God, the demonic within people wants, wants you to go away. They want you to go away and they want the spirit of the, of the Lord to go away. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about forgiveness. They don't want to have to admit that, that they need to be forgiven. You know, it's so easy for people to just resist the spirit of the living God. So why do you think these people wouldn't want Jesus to come and set them free? Some people, some scholars believe it's because they were making so much money from this pork enterprise They think that's the reason. There's a scripture in uh, Isaiah. And this is, this is, uh, you know, I've kind of joked about it a little bit because it's like, because there are times when we don't really want to know the truth sometimes about ourselves or about the Lord, right? There are times where you're just like, I don't, I really don't want to hear about this right now. Maybe you're not ready to to give up your your lifestyle or whatever, but you're just like, no. And there's a scripture in Isaiah, and it says, see no more visions, they said to the seers, and don't give us visions of what is right, they say to the prophets. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Get away from here. Get off this path. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of God. And I think that's what was happening here with these people. They're like, stop confronting us with the Holy One of God. They did not want Jesus to invade their lives because they knew that, they, that things were going to have to change. And the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Sometimes people don't want to be around us if we're carrying the word of truth. I mean, <clears throat> it's why Jesus warned us. He said, people, some people are going to hate you because of me. 
It says, woe to those who reject him, but yet for those of us who carry the word of truth and carry the light, there are times where we're going to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. And I know in America it doesn't happen very often, but I do believe the day is coming. I believe the day is coming when if we name the name of Jesus Christ, we are going to be persecuted for our faith. Jesus warned us. He said, you're going to be put in prison. You're going to be thrown in prison. You're going to be beaten. All of these things are going to happen. And I remember one time I asked my pastor Brent, right after I got saved, I said, I just don't know if, if someone were to put a gun to my head, I, I don't know that I wouldn't deny Jesus. Have you ever wondered that? Would I deny Jesus? And I, and I asked him and I said, I said, how can I, how can I know? And he said, you don't need to know, first of all. He said, but second of all, if that is going to happen, the grace of God will be with you. And you will absolutely be able to say, I believe in the name of Jesus. You know, you remember the story of Columbine and that young lady that was under the table. And those guys went, are you going to deny Jesus? And she said, no, I'm not going to deny Jesus. And they killed her. I believe a day is coming where this is not just going to be a, a rare occasion. I think it's going to happen. And I think that is why we need to persevere to the end. It says, it says um, in, in um, Mark 5, 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. You know, sometimes the false prophets in our lives will tell us, will lie to us, will tell us things that just, just like the Bible says, they'll just tickle your ears. But this guy had a real encounter with Jesus. Jesus legitimately set him free. In the same way that he set many of us free from so many different things. It's, but it's saying he wanted to be with him. He just wanted to go with Jesus. He'd, he'd been radically transformed. So he just wanted to be there and just worship Jesus. But here, this is the, the crazy, this is a strange thing. Jesus says, no. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So instead of Jesus saying, yeah, come on, let's go. He's saying, no, I want you to go. Tell your family everything that I've done for you. Jesus doesn't just want us to, to stick around with him and hang out with him. He wants us to worship him, of course, but he has called us to go. And this is one of the main points, I believe, of this story, is that Jesus is saying, no, go and tell people about the things that I've done for you. And I, I, I just... One of the things that I always feel like doing when I meet somebody who's not a believer and they'll, they'll start to tell you about some Christian that, that they knew at one point who was super judgmental and, you know, just critical and just prideful. Anybody met anybody like that? <laughs> anybody that person? <laughs> you know, I always say, if your spirituality doesn't make you more humble and more loving, and more Christ-like, then you're totally missing the whole point. The closer that we get to Jesus, the closer that we get to God, the more he delivers us, the more he sets free, the less judgmental we should be, the less critical we should be. It's so easy to point out people's sin, isn't it? 
It's so much harder to walk with them out of it and walk with them to the one, the only one who can change their hearts. But if you're, if you're arrogant or if you're prideful or if you're judgmental, and I, when I first became a Christian, I was all of those things. I was so arrogant and so judgmental and so prideful. You know, and I just, the closer I get to God, the more I'm just so grateful that, I'm, that I know him. I'm so grateful for his forgiveness. And that's why I want to tell people what he's done for me. And that's what we're all called to do. We're all called to tell people. We all know broken people around us. We all know people that need to be delivered, that need to be set free. Maybe they're not living in a cemetery, howling and cutting themselves, but they're still broken. They're still devastated and they're still trapped in their sin and trapped in their shame, not being able to be set free. And Jesus is saying, go tell them what what I've done for you. That's what he's called all of us to do. We're not called to know everything. You know, people are always like, I'm so afraid to share Jesus because, I, because I, I, I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question and I can't answer it. You know what? It's okay to say, I don't know. I have no idea, but I will find out for you. I'll get back to you on that, right? You don't have to know everything. When you go to court, you're called to share your testimony only. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything about forensics or cr- or crime scenes, or DNA, or anything. You just have to say, this is what I saw. This is what Jesus did for me. We need to know how to share our story. You should be able to share your story in three to five minutes of how how Jesus brought you into freedom, how Jesus set you free and delivered you. You should be able to share it in three to five minutes. Everyone will give you three minutes, right? I mean, whether you're next to somebody on an airplane or you meet them in the grocery store, you're standing in line or whatever, you should be able to just share, hey, this is, this is kind of what happened to me. And it says we're supposed to be ready in season and out to give an answer. We're supposed to be able to, to tell them why we have hope and why we trust in the Lord and why we can walk in freedom and joy and in victory. Here it says in verse 20, it says, the man started off to visit the 10 towns, which is the the Decapolis. This is actually um, what they they think is modern day Jordan. It says, "He, he started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and he began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. And that's what we're called to do. We're not called to know everything, and we're certainly not called to be the moral police in our society. Okay, I I just want to say this. On social media, you have a responsibility to share the love of Jesus and to share good things and to share Christ. It's like, have you guys ever heard of confirmation bias? Confirmation bias is is a really common thing now, and what it means is that you only read things by people who agree with you. And that if they disagree with you, unfriend. Or you, or you just cut off all, all relationship with them. Is that really what Jesus is calling us to do? There are people who disagree with us. There are a lot of people who disagree with me on a lot of issues. 
but we're not called to cut them off. We're called to extend that olive branch of love and acceptance the same way that Jesus was loving and Jesus was accepting. It says in Acts 1.8, this is, this is the last command that Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what Jesus is saying for us today. You will receive power when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet... We're so afraid sometimes, aren't we? First of all, we're afraid to submit and surrender to God fully because we're afraid of what will happen to us. You know, there used to be the cliche, oh, I'm so afraid to become a Christian because I'm afraid God's going to send me to Africa. You know, that was like the, the common thing. Or, you know, or God's going to send me to some remote part of the world. Well, maybe he will, but if he does, he's going to grace you. You know where God guides, God provides, right? That's what the saying is. Where God guides, God provides. And if he's opening up the doors, then he's going to give you the grace in the same way that if someone puts a gun to your head, you, don't, and you, you will not deny Jesus. I don't believe that we will. I believe God will give us the grace. And he knows our beginning and, and our end. He says in Mark, it says in Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, go, turn to your neighbor and say, Go. Say it again with feeling. <laughs> Into all the world and preach the good news to whom? Everyone. Whom? Everyone. This is convicting for me. This is really convicting for me because I know so many times, you know, if I get on an airplane, I just, I just want to read my book, you know? But I always ask the Lord. I'm always open. Lord, if there's any openness, any opportunity, because you don't, again, conversely, you don't want to cast your pearls before swine. You know, you don't want to sit there and start telling somebody about the gospel if, there's, if they're completely closed down and they don't want to hear it, but we are still called to preach the good news to everyone. And in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, this is the good news, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. We are all called to go. Whether that means you go to your coworkers, you go to your neighbors, you go to your family, it doesn't matter. We are all called to go and to tell people about the good news that they can be forgiven. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm afraid of standing before God someday and, and seeing the different people that I had opportunities to share and just seeing their faces and having regret about that. I want to I be faithful, don't you? Do you want to tell people what God has done for you? Go into all the world and preach the good news. And not only preach the good news, but we're called to do what else? We're called to make disciples. People that are fully in, full tilt, 100%. People that are going for it with God no matter what the cost. So I want to ask you two questions this morning. 
What are some of the pigs that you think Jesus wants to send over the edge of the cliff that are in your life right now? What are some of the things? Is it habits? You know, I saw, I saw a woman yesterday, and I just got done saying don't judge. I'm not judging, but I just, <laughs> you know, I, I saw her, and, and it was apparent to me from her lifestyle that she had a lot of health issues. I was, I was um, studying near a hospital, and so I think she probably was in the hospital. But you could see that there were a lot of health issues that she was struggling with. And I think a lot of it, you know, there is such a thing as stewarding our bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are certain habits, and, and I know that the Lord has numbered our days. You know, he, is, he, he knows exactly how many days we have on earth. But I believe that we can affect the, the quality of life that we have by eating healthy and by exercising and by sleeping enough, I do think that there is, there is some reaping and sowing, right? Am I right? Okay, two of you agree with me. There are some certain habits that I think the Holy Spirit is saying, I, I really want to work on this with you. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be strong so that you can preach the good news. You can be an example. You can bring my good news to people. I, I think there, there are some attitudes that we have that the Lord's saying, that doesn't honor me. And I feel like he's saying his mercies are new every morning. Today's a new day. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, right? <laughs> that was a saying, I think, years and years ago. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. I mean... Not to state the obvious, but his mercies are new every morning. And you have the rest of your life. Jesus is coming back soon, and we want to be prepared. We want to bring as many people to heaven as we possibly can. Amen? Do you have some ways of thinking that don't honor God? About other people? About yourself? About him? About the kingdom? About principles? Are there ways of thinking that Jesus is saying, you know what? Let's just send those into the pigs. Let's send those into the abyss. Do you have sinful relationships? I mean, do you have people in your life right now that you just know that when I hang out with these people, it's not a good thing? You know, the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. And, and, and Jesus is saying we should be with people that can encourage us and build us up. And I'm not saying that we're not in the world because, of course, we have to go to work and, you, you know, you go to different establishments and there are people there that don't know Jesus. It's not saying to separate yourself from them because that's ridiculous. Because how would we go and preach the good news if we're completely separated? You know, there's a lot of cults that do that. They just cloister themselves. And Jesus isn't calling us to that. But he is calling us to be with people who encourage us and build us up. And he's calling us to do the same for others. Are there devoted things? Do you have certain things that you, that you know that the Lord's saying, I really want you to get rid of that? I had to go through that with some music. I had some music that just, whenever I listened to it, it was just like it took me back to a dark time of my life. And I just, it wasn't like a legalistic thing. It wasn't like this religious thing. It was just, I know that that's not really helping me. How about the things that you watch you know, it's, it's funny. I was talking with someone this week about how young people today, there's so many people and they're so exhausted. But yet, you, you know, you hear about the binge watching. And I think really with the, with the streaming that you, can, you have access all hours of the day or night, you can watch whatever you want. 
that people are getting exhausted or because of all of their screen time, you know, on the phone or your, your computer or whatever, sometimes I, I feel like God's just saying, just come away with me. It's so hard for me too. With, when I don't have my phone with me, sometimes I start to shake a little bit, go through withdrawals. <laughs> but there are times where I know the Lord just saying, just set it aside and just be with me or just be with the people that you're actually with. Psalm 101.2 says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything that is vile or vulgar. I think, you know, whatever, you know, garbage in, garbage out, the old saying. I, I feel like, you know, those times I just, like Arthur said this morning, I loved what he said, you know, if we go several days without reading the Bible, it's just like, you start to kind of get used to that, like, eh, it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. It is the bread of life. It is our daily bread, and it changes everything. And I want to share with you guys, one of the biggest hindrances that I, that I feel um, each one of us can change. It's a really basic thing that we can change. Um, to really live that full and that abundant life. This is one of those, those verses. This will, this will always be in my, in my uh, arsenal of favorite life-changing verses. This is a, a verse, and I know I've shared it with you before, but I believe that this is something that can completely set you free. And I've seen it happen in several of the people in my life that when they took this to heart, this particular verse to heart, it changed everything. And it's Psalm 50, verse 23. And I'd like us to memorize it together, if, if you would. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. You know, you see all of the stories in the Old Testament about the Israelites grumbling and complaining. And one time, remember, the ground opened up and swallowed up like 23,000 people. God doesn't take it lightly. And it's, it's, it's our natural tendency is we want to grumble and we want to complain and we want to find everything wrong. But God is saying, no, giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. So can we memorize this together? Okay, so let's say it. Giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. Again, but giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. So my first question is what, what things do you feel like the Lord is calling you right now, today? None of us have arrived. There's none of us here that are perfect, and yet God continues to pour out his love and his grace and his mercy, and he's saying, I want to fulfill you. I want to give you a satisfying life. I want, to, I want to give you abundance. I want to forgive you. I want to deliver you from fear. I want to deliver you from shame. I want to deliver you from hopelessness and despair and depression. 
I want to set you free. So what are the pigs that you feel like God is saying, I want to send those guys over the cliff? Whether it's habits, attitudes, rebellion, what are the things? And the second question is, who is God calling you today to share his love with? Can you all get out your cell phones, please? After I just talked about screen time. Can everybody get out your cell phone or a piece of paper or whatever? I want you to pray. We're going to take a minute to just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us someone that he wants us to share his love with. Because he already, he's already prepared people. He's preparing people. He's the one who brings the increase. But it says the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Can we be part of those few? Can we be an army that is raised up, that is determined to share Jesus, to share the love, not the judgment, not, you know, you need to change, you need to stop smoking, you need to stop vaping, you need to stop, not, not that. But you know what? God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he wants to deliver you from the bondage. He wants to deliver you from your shame. Can you, can you send yourself a text right now of somebody that Jesus is calling you to share his love with? And we have the opportunity coming up at Draper Days to have those conversations. I'm going to be hanging out at the booth and just loving people and, and, and praying for opportunities to share Jesus, to share the good news. And I'm, not, I'm no different than you. I'm the same as you. It's intimidating but you know, if you think about Jesus, he asked a lot of questions. You know, one of my favorite things to do for, with people is just say, would you tell me your story? And then be praying that the Lord would show you how you can have that avenue to share about his love and forgiveness. Could you stand with me, please? Did you all put somebody in your cell phone? Everybody? You have somebody you want to share Jesus with? Hello? Is this mic on? <laughs> Can you just hold your arms out again like this? Lord, we, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your presence. Jesus, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, we thank you that, God, you, you have provided a way for us to know you, to be to know you more, to be more intimately acquainted with you, Lord. We thank you that like a good heavenly father, you protect us from the evil spirits, Lord. You protect us from the demonic, the stranger things, Lord. We bless you and we thank you. And Lord, in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, we just confess to you those areas, those things, Lord, where, where you're calling us to, to just send these things into the pigs and over the cliff. Lord, these things that aren't beneficial, the things that, that are not helping us, Lord, we just want to repent. We want to change our minds and change our hearts, Lord. We ask that you would do that, Lord. Change our hearts. We just confess to you our shortcomings, Lord, and our failures, and we thank you that you went to the cross to forgive us, Lord, so that we could be reconciled to you. Lord, and we ask for opportunities this week this week, Lord, that name that everybody put in their cell phone, Lord, I have names in my phone, Lord, that I want to share your love with. And I pray for those opportunities. Use us, Lord. Help us to go into all the world and bring the message of hope, 
Lord, to bring the light in darkness, Lord. And we bless you and we thank you for who you are, Lord. And we thank you for freedom. We thank you that you've set us free from fear in Jesus' name.